Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones, and this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. And today we get to talk about the Jews. No, no, you didn't. <laughs> I see you can't tell me I can't say certain things. It comes out like that. I got to start all over again. No, you're all right. <laughs> so um, I was asking Peyton, what what were we going to talk about today? And I have a funny uh, story about a radio show I used to have. Used to have. This wasn't the uh, defining uh, statement that got me banned from the radio, but um, it was not a Christian radio show. It was a secular station. It was a talk show. And um, there were three of us. We uh, It was almost like a morning show, kind of like our podcast, Only Funnier. <laughs> 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 and, and so um, we were talking about stuff. It, it was a political show, right? So we were talking about what's going on in the world and a lot at the time, as always, was going on with Israel. And so I made some comment. I go, well, you know, the Israelites, blah, 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 blah. And one of my co-hosts looks at me and goes, uh, Pete, we don't call them Israelites anymore. We call them Israelis. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. So that's my uh, my Sunday school upbringing. Kicking into the high gear on Israel lights. I dig it. Hey, so how did you get banned off the radio? I didn't get banned off the radio. I Is that a story disgust. you can't tell on the Church Planner podcast? No, nah, I didn't get banned. I just got tired of doing it. All oh, right, on. You know, cool. you know. Well, you know, you're working pretty close to getting us banned off this thing. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing my best, man. <laughs> I know. Right before the show, Peyton goes, "Remember." I'm hitched to your wagon. I got to unhitch really quick if you go too far. <laughs> There's a release lever. There's I've release checked. Lever. I love it. I love it. So what are we talking about this week? Well, the, uh, that soon? What, what's going on? Well, I always like to know. I, I'd like to have a precursor what we're going to build up to. And, you know, we'll still, <laughs> still take 10 minutes to get there. So we can we can figure out for 10 minutes how to do a segue into it? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Speaking of cross-dressing horses... Today's topic. That's normally we come up with some. See, you like, can't go to cross-dressing horses right off the bat because I actually was thinking, do we have something else that we're going to be talking about that has to do with cross-dressing? But uh, no, but that, that no, no, not today. Although we have, I think, covered that twice. But here, here's the deal: is that normally we come up with a segue that's. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how we do it, man. Every week I'm watching like our topics and we're all over the place. And somehow we always manage to throw a rope around it and lasso it back. I don't know how we do that. Mm. We are geniuses with segues. Well, you know, we're genius at something. Hey, you know, I got to share something actually about cross-dressing real quick. <laughs> it's not specifically <laughs> about cross-dressing. <laughs> See, there it is in action. Speaking of cross-dressing, boom, there he goes. No, it was interesting. You know, I'm just sharing this because um, anybody who knows me knows I'm pretty much uh, deep 
down inside an evil person. So um, let me just go on the record. I'm evil. You know, and that is biblical. I heartily concur, not just uh, biblically with you, but also experientially. Nice, nice. So, um, we, you know, the other week we had, uh, <laughs> that reminds me of a story I want to tell too. <laughs> you're just, you're kicking off today. I'm man. going from one to the next. So um, <laughs> we had our baptism at Refuge Long Beach, and, and finally you showed up to church, which was always nice to see uh, our pastor at church. We never get to see you there at church. And because um, I'm not a pastor, apparently I'm a no. loner, dotty, a rebel. Yeah, that's exactly that's what from you are. Herman. So, um, and it happened to be the uh, day that Long Beach has the gay pride parade, and um, so like to get from where we're at down to the beach for the baptism. Like all the roads were blocked and stuff, and so like I'm driving down there, and see, and I'm only bringing this up because deep down inside I'm an evil person, really, you know, pretty much nothing, nothing good about me. And um, it, it I was I found it interesting though to see like the change in my own heart, whereas like you know mm. we're driving down there and you know you're seeing dudes whatever holding hands, everyone's wearing a oh, rainbow, yeah. everything, and um and. I my heart was breaking as opposed to you know being utterly disgusted, which is yeah the way I'm naturally bent. Like I'll give you a, a great example. Um, a friend of mine. I mean, you know, we were talking. This is years ago, and you know, he'd go to a restaurant, and if there would be uh, you know gay people sitting at a table next to him, man, he'd get really loud and he'd be like, "Oh yeah, I can't wait for them all to burn in hell," and you know stuff like that. And I remember him telling me that story. And, and I would just kind of laugh, right? And I would laugh because I'm thinking, yeah, you know, I'm grossed out by it too, but you know, I would never actually do that just because, you know, I'm I would think it, but I wouldn't do it. Not like like thinking it is somehow better, right? And it's it's just it's a difference in like how I look at people today as opposed yeah. to even a few years ago. So Well, it's it's like it's like pornography too, right? Like um you know, uh, I was raised with pornography. So, you know, it was kind of something, you know, I like most dudes, I, I think about it on a regular basis. I don't look at it, but I think about it. And I, I think at a certain stage for me, um, you know, I, I had to start seeing people differently. I love what Hugh Halter said um, in his book, Flesh. He mentions that, you know, he tells guys who study with porn, you know, yeah, look at those girls, but like, look deeper. You know, look deeper, um, really look at them, you know, start looking at them as like daughters and um, wives and, uh, you know, future wives, future mothers, um, somebody's damaged daughter, um, someone who an uncle had sexually abused. And, you know, it's like 99 percent or something stupid of, of, you know, people that end up in that uh, industry. Um, why, you know, they're there is usually because they, they've been hurt sexually by a male. And, you know, when, when you start to see people kind of like Jesus sees them, you know, like the chick at the well, Jesus is sitting there on the side of the well and she starts hitting on him. I don't know if you've ever caught that in that passage where she starts, um, she starts flirting with him and he turns it around you know and and says you know um go call your husband and blah 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 and um he, he says go call your husband because she's hitting on him and it's just kind of a you know a lot of people don't catch it but jesus sees her not as like you know maybe if you were sitting there with this chick you'd be like hey you know um and and by the way you know she may not have been uh the woman who uh, left, you know, she was like this sleazy girl who left these men. Men may have left her. We don't know what the story is, but we know that, you know, she no longer has any confidence in men and she's kind of uh, going from man to man. And that's why Jesus says, hey, you know, living water will, will come out of you. But but Jesus sees her soul. And I guess that's what I'm trying to say is, you, you know, obviously you're driving you know, during the pride parade in Long Beach, which is pretty big. I mean, we walked there to the baptism from the school where we meet. And uh, it was just like watching, you know, like Noah's Ark, man, two by two. They all came, you know, male yeah. and male, female and female. Well, you know, what's interesting, too, is 
you know, a really good uh, friend of mine. He's uh, been in my mastermind group for years. He's a Christian guy. And he had just gone to Palm Springs for uh, a business trip. And apparently there's a huge gay community in Palm Springs as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so he's just like, yeah, they're everywhere. They're walking around. And then there was something. I don't even know what it was. And I knew he was talking about a trans uh, transgender uh, person. And it was funny because, you know, I'm, I'm listening to him. And I'm just, and so, you know, I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, we've got, uh, you know, at least, you know, one transgender person that comes to our church. But I was I was noticing the difference between where I used to be and how yeah. I viewed people as a Christian, yeah. mind you, as a quote unquote Christian, right? And how I view them today. You know, it's so funny. I was thinking about this yesterday that, you know, the number one thing that I think all Christians need to do if they want to start loving people and seeing them the way Jesus does is turn off the stinking AM talk radio. I mean, there is nothing worse for your soul. Listen to podcasts, specifically our podcast. Absolutely. Play them and rerun them constantly. Always have earbuds in your ear. No matter what you're doing, listen to Peyton and Pete. There you go. But but here's the deal is that, you know, that stuff is just like fueled with hate, man. And I don't care like how happy I wake up or how loving I am. If I listen to talk radio all day, by the end of the day, I hate everybody. And I am just pissed off at everybody. I can't stand the liberals. I can't stand the conservatives. Like, it doesn't matter who you are. I hate you all. And talk radio is just like throwing gasoline on a fire of hatred, man. And so I would start looking for things like that. You know, listen to uh, to preachers that are filled with grace. You know, listen to... Uh, to things that are going to give you compassion for people. Listen to testimonies of, of what God's doing in the gay and lesbian community, but don't, you know, I have anything. to share. I have to share. This is something that I told you about finally, but I've never shared it on the podcast and it has to be shared. It's so stinking funny to me. So I'm at refuge long beach one Sunday. I don't know. A month ago, month and a half ago. Don't know exactly how long ago it was. And there's a guy there who I'm pretty sure he's homeless because he's wearing a shirt and the shoulders are really dirty. You know that kind of dirty you get because it's like, yeah. you know, one of your only shirts and it's it's what you wear everywhere. Yeah. It had that kind of dirt to it. And it was a light blue shirt. And um See, you're you're even an expert in different kinds of dirt now after being at Refuge Long Beach. <laughs> well, you have changed. On a light blue shirt, you can tell the dirt. You know what I'm saying? You can tell. It's just it's one of those things. And um so he has on this light blue shirt and it's got a, a rainbow, you know, going from what like a, a semicircle rainbow, and then there's there's two unicorns. <laughs> And I'm dying. And I'm thinking to myself, this is only at Refuge Long Beach would you see this shirt because the unicorns were unclean. They were trying to make a baby unicorn, if you know oh, what I'm saying. No, you, this is at Refuge Long Beach? This is at Refuge Long Beach. Gosh. So you got two unicorns being the act of unclean in between a rainbow. And I'm like, this is Refuge Long Beach, man. You could only get this at Refuge Long Beach. Oh, dude, I, I cracked myself up. I'm on a writing um, odyssey right now. You know, since we're talking about, uh, I've never called it a writing odyssey, but you're talking about rainbows and unicorns. And I am cracking myself up because I, I, I mentioned this, like how, you know, some preachers, you know, it's all like, uh, I think I said something like unicorns pooping rainbows and in, in, in gumdrops or something that cracked me up. You know, I cracked myself up. But, uh, <laughs> I don't even know what that means. What? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, but it it, it involved the unicorns Care poop raindrops, dude. I'm, no rainbows and 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 gumdrops. You know, it might have been cupcakes. I don't remember, but I was yeah. cracking myself up. Anyway, sometimes when I write, I'm, I'm Jump School is going through peer review right now, and you know it, it's scary. I, I'm realizing this now because with with Church Zero, I had a professional editor. Right now, I've got peer review going on with. Uh, jump school and I'm realizing how scary my brain is because I'm hearing all these guys like bouncing all over, you know, everything I've written. It, it, Church Zero for as, as much as people say, oh, it's filled with popcorn. It was cleaned up. It was actually cleaned up. So um 
But anyways, hey, so going to our segue, how do we feed our soul? And I was actually going to segue into that from from what we had said earlier. But then I had um, to bring up unicorns, making baby unicorns. Absolutely. On a t-shirt. And, and I could make up a segue. Could you could say like, me well, you unicorn know. is movie reputable? Oh, no, wait, that's never mind. No, because I don't want to get jealous for the Church Planner magazine dragon. Mm, hey, you know what? That actually just reminded me. Then we'll get into your, your actual segue. You put out a tweet saying that you've never seen a church planner be successful who didn't like Star Wars. Was that what the tweet was? No, didn't watch Star Wars. Didn't watch Star Wars. And then uh, Hector Mora had the gall, the nerve to say he was going to prove you wrong or something like that. Bring it on, pal. Hey, all Bring I got to on. say to Hector... The rest of this podcast is dedicated to you. You know, and we're just, just going to leave the breathing, that. the heavy breathing, is just going to keep going the whole podcast. I just looked at that quote, and it actually is uh, who didn't like Star Wars, not who's never seen. You know, for Jimbo, we can say kind of like Paul that you know I did it ignorantly, you know, <laughs> because I was an unbeliever. But if you've actually seen, oh. Star Wars and don't like it. That's worse. You know, there's a difference between Peter. Well, you know, I will say Jesus. Th- these these newer kids though, who uh, started off by seeing the first three episodes of Star Wars. Yeah, I actually can't blame fair. them if yeah, they don't like Star Wars. It's not it's not their fault. Yeah, know? yeah, you're kind of right there. And and they did not have the benefit of seeing Star Wars in 1977. Yeah, when I was two years old. Yeah, uh, that's a good point, Pete. But, you know, I still, my point stands, there's a difference between Peter, who denies Jesus, and Judas, who betrays him. And I'm just saying, we may be talking about a reprobate here, that you've seen Star Wars, and you still embrace the dark side. I'm just saying, you know, Hector Mora, there's good in you somewhere. I can sense it. I can feel it. And I'm pulling for you. You know, Jimbo, um, Jimbo and I are working actually on a project together. And for those who don't know, Jimbo is a mobile detailer. That's what he does for his day job. So he wanted to, to join my mastermind group. So I said, you know, it's $300 a month. If you want to be in my mastermind group or, um, you know, we could work out some trade because I know 300 for him is way too stiff. Right. So I'm like, uh, He's like, well, what do you want? I'm like, well, my cars are filthy right now. <laughs> I want your next baby. <laughs> I go, my cars are filthy right now. Get over to my house and wash my cars. <laughs> and so <laughs> he comes over and he does my cars. And I'm not kidding. My cars have literally never looked that good. Like my rims look like they just came out of the uh, the factory. They're, they're gorgeous. I got a, a Ford Mustang. I mean, it's... It, I actually kind of don't want our project have to succeed because he really wants out of the mobile detailing business. And and I don't want him out because my car looks too good. I know you told me you're like, oh, man, I really don't want him to succeed. Is that bad? Am I a bad person? Because he's the best auto detail. I've never had an auto detail that good before. I mean, it's great. So anyway. Well, okay, so. Today, our, our topic, and you know, I'm all out of segues, baby, but here's the deal. Our topic today is church planner, how do you feed your soul? And you know, there's all different ways that we can feed our soul. And that was a long introduction of us screwing around like normal. But part of that is because Pete confessed at the beginning, can we actually fill an hour talking about this? Well, I can, right? And Pete, I need you to chime in because you know I'll geek out on like books and everything. So you got to you got to keep me honest here, but the reality is, yes, uh, church planners, you need to be feeding your soul. Uh, it, it, no one's going to do it for you. I mean, the most ignored scripture in all of the New Testament is share all good things with your teacher, right? No, Nobody comes to you and feeds you, and particularly in a church plant. You are constantly sowing vision, and you are the cheerleader. You're the one encouraging everybody else. And in your private moments, you have times of self-doubt. You have uh, discouragement gnawing at you, and you sometimes don't know which way uh, or which end is up. So you need to be feeding your soul. And how are you going to do that? Well, uh, number one, you got to be a reader. And I know, you know, Pete, when I say that, 
I know that you're like, no, don't say that because well, some guys out yeah, there are What not. if they aren't a reader? Exactly. So here's what I say is there's a lot of things in this game that you're not going to be, but it's going to require it of you. And so, you know, when Paul tells Timothy, study to show yourself approved, in one sense, you get the implication by what's called mirror reading that Paul is telling Timothy to do something he's not really good at. Um, I, I don't think he was a big reader. When I read uh, the book of Timothy, I get the impression that Timothy, although he's uh, called an apostolic guy, he's an apostle, I think his big blade, if you read Church Zero, cha-ching, is shepherding. He's sent out there to specifically deal with pastoral issues, pastoral problems. Now, Titus, you know, that guy is bad to the bone. He's sent out to the Isle of Crete as a frontline guy. I think that Titus was, um, his big blade was probably evangelism or, you know, the apostolic side was his big blade. But remember, the apostolic gifting contains the other four roles in him, almost like a one-man band at the beginning. But you get the impression that Timothy's not very good at evangelism, and he's not a big studier. So he, he's not exactly a teacher. He's most likely the shepherd. And so Paul's given him things about, hey, deal with the women like this, deal with the men like this, deal with the people on this, and the widows, and he's given them pastoral issues to sort out in Ephesus. So I, what I would say is, you know, take that scripture to heart. Study to show yourself approved. A workman who needs not be ashamed, but rightly divides a word of truth. You need to be studying on one hand for the scripture, okay? So that when you come to the pulpit, you're not a doofus, right? You're not just a moron up there. Uh, you can tell. When I listen to Christian radio, I can tell that guys have not studied. They don't have a grasp on their topic. They're talking like they're on the beach. Like, hey, dude, like, you just got to, like, listen to God, man, because, like, I listen to God. And, like, it's like something out of Adventure Time, right? It just, it just, it could be Jake and Finn talking. You know what I mean? And uh, I lost you already, didn't you? Yeah, I? I have no idea what Adventure Time is. Okay. Well, I said that hoping that some of you would look that up. It's the greatest cartoon known to man, except for Batman That's the Animated Adventure. I say made the ball. <laughs> So here, here's the thing is, on one hand, you got to study. And we could talk about all the commentaries, all the helps, all the tools for that. And I want to talk about that. But I really want to get to where do you go for your soul? So let's take a minute. Let's talk about some of the tools that are out there um, that would help you study the word. What would you say, by the way, to um, remember Paul from York? I think it was York or the UK. Um, we interviewed him at uh, a conference last year and he was in the magazine do you remember who i'm talking about yeah um dave sylvester oh dave why did i say paul dave sylvester that's totally it um yeah dude's awesome but i mean he was talking about how like you know pretty much the only thing he reads is the bible and yeah. he reads that like he he talked about in the interview he reads it four times a day, you know, and he went through, you know, I read the prophets in the morning and I read, you know, this in the afternoon, and, you know, and he had like specific times, but he's not just reading anything, right? Like he's only no. reading the Bible. That's literally it. He's like, I don't even want to read anything else. Dave is one of those guys. He's very unique. He pastors uh, Calvary Chapel of York. Um, he walks, he, before it's light out, he puts his, uh, his wellies on, his rubber galoshes, and goes into the, the Yorkshire Dells and walks the hills in the dark um, and, you know, into the, into the sunlight. You know, the sun rises while he's out there, and he's just having his quiet time. He walks and talks with God. And if you've ever hiked there, um, it is some of the most breathtaking scenery, but he'll disappear. He'll get up, you know, four something in the morning, disappear, come back by 8, 8 a.m. That's where he gets his soul fed. He gets his soul fed in conversation with God. And then, you know, saying, saying what he says about, you know, I only read the Bible. What he was doing at that time was he was setting alarms. And he had, uh, I, I can't remember, I think it was every three hours. Because he was reading in the scripture where it said, five times a day will I praise you. And so he's like, I'm just not getting enough of the word into me. So on his iPhone, he set 
uh, he said, you know, five times a day, those would be like the different watches every three hours in the Jewish calendar or the uh, Jewish clock, you know, like when you read about um, it was the, uh, you know, the sixth hour of the day or it was the ninth hour when Jesus died, 3 p.m. Um, it, it refers to hour of sunlight. And so at 6 a.m., his timer would go off no matter what he's doing. He would stop. He would read the Bible. And he had it. Uh, I can't remember. So we must be talking. I can't remember how many hours uh, three breaks into. And I suck at math. But basically, uh, say if it was like 18 hours, it's like six times or five. You know, if he sleeps longer, it's five times. And he broke it up into like the Pentateuch, you know, then the poetry, then the prophets, um, then, you know, the New Testament, then the Psalms, you know, and he would read each uh, chapter and he just wanted to get more of the word into him. Yep. That's what I remember. So, you know, and, and it's good you mentioned that because we haven't actually interviewed him for the podcast. And that that was it. He blew me away. I remember spending time with him up at, at, at York. I went up there to speak. And, um, you know, I saw in his house, though, saying this. It, it's interesting. He says he doesn't read anything because other than Rick Warren uh, <laughs> and, you know, his first edition library is actually in the Guinness Book of World Records. Um, but but he had the most impressive collection of books I have ever seen. And now I lived in the UK for 12 years. I've seen impressive collections, but he had, um, try to remember the name of the guy. And it, it's bugging me that I can't remember the name of the dude, a really famous preacher in the uh, 1900s who, uh, the collection had gone to another minister and that minister called Dave up and said, Hey, I'm, I'm getting ready to die. Um, do you want my library and it had like signed first editions of c.s lewis um it had he actually has the journals that um oh, who do i want i want to say it's uh alfred edersheim which for some of you will make no sense at all if you've ever read of uh, robert murray machine um and andrew bonar uh they all took a trip uh to israel uh, you said you want to talk about the Jews, right? So they took a trip to the to Israel in the 1800s. You can't say it like that, though. You, you have to say, you said you want to talk about the Jewish people. The Israelites, as Pete would say. And so he, he goes, they go back down there to um, Israel on kind of like a pilgrimage, wanting to see where Jesus walked. And as they uh, are there, revival breaks out. This is, you know, 18, I think it was like during the 1859 revival. And they're personally revived in Israel. But anyways, all through Europe, as they're traveling through the continent from the UK, they're leading people to Christ. And one of their converts was a guy named Alfred Edersheim. And anyways, they he had the uh, journals that I think Edersheim had when he went to Israel and did all of his cultural research, which became the backbone of most biblical uh, cultural studies. And um, so you can read the life and times of Jesus, Messiah, the temple. Uh, there's all kinds of different things that the Edersheim wrote. But he had the journals hmm. with like the maps and the handwritten notes. I mean, Dave Sylvester has one of the most amazing collections of books um, I've ever seen. Hmm. So that's just a side note. But, you know, I geek out on this stuff, you right? You do off of books. Kind of so, like how I geek out over TV shows. Well, it, it, Warren Wiersbe used to say it like this. He would say... Readers are leaders and leaders are readers. And, you know, for all that, I, I know that, you know, some people might think you're not a reader, but you are a reader. You, you'll sometimes say, hey, I read. And you do because you write well. If you're going to write well, you're going to have to be able to read. And I personally believe that the more you read, the more your brain adapts to communication. I just believe that that it, it triggers something in the brain. You, you, you kind of speak you know, uh, springboard off of other people's thoughts. Um, and I read commentaries, not so I can copy them. I mean, commentaries are often boring and dry and are boring and dry, but, um, but, but often my thoughts fire and fuel. It's like when I'm listening to other people preach, I feel like I could just hop in a pulpit and preach, but it's because you're, you're springboarding off of their thoughts. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, you know, in uh, copywriting, which is, 
you know, what I do a lot of, and that's where we're writing specifically to get people to buy something or to, you know, take a next step. One of the the things that is well known in the copywriting circles, if you want to become a great copywriter, you need to read actually good fiction um, more than mm. anything else. Because when you start reading just how people communicate really good stories, it helps you tremendously in putting together your stuff. Yeah, and and it's funny you say that because whenever I've given you stuff, you know, you'll say, "Hey, I'll write the copy," but you say. You write it first and give it to me. And I think it's, again, that springboard idea that you want me to kind of put the bare bones down. And then you kind of take like the garbage that I've written and you put it through the flex capacitor and it becomes a, you know, time machine DeLorean that, you know. Yeah, it's much easier to rewrite than to go from scratch, man. I mean, um, I I joke about it. And this isn't going to be much to most people who are listening, but. I do a ton in marketing. Uh, obviously, we talk about that on the show, but I'm actually, you know, a pretty highly paid copywriter. And so I have what we affectionately refer to as swipe files or what I call my B&E file because we borrow and then we execute based on, you know, ideas that we know have already worked. So I've literally got thousands and thousands of successful mail pieces, headlines, um sales letters, all this type. And it is way easier to take something that we know has already worked and then adapt it to a new product, a new industry, a new everything than it is to start from scratch. It's way Absolutely. easier. And there are people that say, oh, well, you know, I, I just let the Holy Spirit speak to me. And, you know, that's all I need is the Bible and the Holy Spirit and he'll speak to me. And Charles Spurgeon, you know, who was like the Rick Warren of his day, most impressive library. Um, it's in Missouri somewhere right now at some university. But um, Spurgeon said, it's interesting to me that people who boast of how much the Holy Spirit speaks to them have very little regard for what the Holy Spirit may have spoken to others. Hmm. I thought that was dynamite. When I first read it, I'm like, booyah, because Spurgeon's saying, well, do you just think the Holy Spirit speaks to you? I I mean, what is preaching? Why are you asking people to sit in front of you and listen to you? If not for the fact that you are seeking the presence and the voice of God to speak to you off the page of scripture, and then you're looking to be a prophetic voice. Some people write things that are prophetic. So we need to remember that. And for guys who have labored in word and doctrine, um, you know, and given their lives to do boring things. I mean, I just look at guys like Systematic Theology by Wayne Grudem. Um, that is kind of the, I would say, the best systematic theology out there. Um, it's written for our times. Yeah, sure, there's meaty stuff out there you can read. There's uh, Thomas Brockle. There's all kinds of stuff that you can read that, um, you know, it, it'll knock you out. But, um, you know, Hodge, he's got three volumes of Systematic Theology. You know, Wayne Grudem labored extensively, guys like an encyclopedia, so that you wouldn't have to. And you could just grab his book for like 50, 60 bucks and uh, sit down and read and glean something that that is good. But what's great about Grudem is he did all the labor in the Word and Doctrine, but he did it worshipfully. And that's kind of the deal. When we're talking about feeding your soul, we're talking about tools you need. Let me just mention a few. Um, if you were on a desert island and there were a few tools that you needed to preach sermons, number one, Wearsby. And I know some of our, our highbrow friends and some of the reformed people will be like, oh, pshaw, you know, um, my good fellow, you know, that's 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 child's play. Well, exactly. That's that's why you should have it. It's simple. Um, it, it's pastoral. Um, it's not, you know, some guys lecture and that's boring as heck. When you go to a church and the guy's lecturing, I can guarantee you those people are so freaking bored and they may go there because, you know, it's Presbyterian or it's this or it's that or it's Lutheran or, you know, but they're bored. And I'm just telling you, like, there's no there's no passion. There's no worship that's coming through. And uh, and and Wearsby wrote to real people, but his studying that guy's a mega brain. He has a gift for taking complex things and making them simple. The other guy you ought to check out is Matthew Henry. And yes, he wrote in the 1700s, but Spurgeon said that every single preacher ought to read 
Matthew Henry cover to cover at least once. And he said, do it before you're married. Because once you're married and you have kids, you'll never get a chance to do it. So in your devotions, you can go through there. And this brings up my point. Um, when Paul says, study to show yourself, you know, one who rightly divides the truth, um, that's great because that's for theological accuracy, to make sure you're not saying stupid things or making stuff up as you go that's leading people into error. But more importantly, the reason I mention these two books is they will feed your soul, Okay. All three of the books that I just mentioned, Matthew Henry's commentary, you can get it for like a buck, two bucks on Kindle. Um, you can search whatever passage you're in. It's what we call devotional. So it's a devotional commentary. The commentary actually uh, will lead you into worship as you're reading. It's not just dry and dusty. And so like I just I picture Pete on the other side of this podcast, like drool coming out your mouth, like, you know, you're half asleep, right? You're like, dude, this is so boring, right? So yes, are you there yet? It is. It's incredibly boring. And that's because you're not a preacher, right? But but for our dudes, they'll know because they've they've picked up <laughs> no, a it's comment. Because right? I'm not a boring person. But thanks for trying. <laughs> yeah. No, but you know, it, it's like if I went to your marketing thing, right? Like I would, I would be, that's why I know. Cause I know if the tables are turned, I was at a marketing thing. And you thing. know it, you know, when you go to the marketing stuff, you're like, wow, that was really good. Now, you know, why? you know how it is. We no, make stuff I fun. See the, you're the stuff you study. No, I, I see the stuff you study, man. It's like, um, uh, it, it's like these little seminars and things and they are boring. They're like, okay, how to do this and how to do this direct mail and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, snore. That's like doing my taxes. Right. But when you're a preacher, you need to make sure that you're taking stuff in from the word that's going to fuel your soul. And, you know, so in other words, the, the moral of this story is this. Don't just read for information. Read for transformation. Don't just study for your sermons. Pick up a book. If it's a biography, if it's like George Whitfield, if it's like some other dude, like read biographies, man, because biographies are going to tell stories of the ups and downs of dudes that were used by God. And sometimes, like we were just talking about being boring, sometimes you're going to hear that, oh, you know, kind of surprise, surprise, they had days where nothing happened, right? George Whitfield, when he starts off, he goes out, you know, he has this big revival that sparks. First day he went out and preached to the coal miners in the field. He comes back and writes in his journal, well, I stood on a tree stump and I preached a gospel and nothing happened. No one paid any attention to me. It was his second time going out, you know, when he was obedient to go back out expecting nothing that boom, a Holy Spirit fell. Um, tons of coal miners got saved um, that day. And that's that's the kind of stuff you need to read about. You need to be feeding your soul stuff that's going to encourage you, if that makes any kind of sense. Mm -hmm. So what else can you do to feed your soul? Well, there's, there's all kinds of... Um, you know, uh, reading. You talked earlier, Pete, about the fact that marketers read fiction. And well, they're they're supposed to. I actually don't read much fiction because I just <laughs> it's like the limited time I do have, I'm not going to curl up with a fiction book. So if I was really good, I would. Yeah. Well, and and that's that's probably the part of a preacher that that gets left out as well. Um, the reason it's good to read fiction and other things and not just theology is what you said earlier. You become really boring if you yeah. cut yourself off from the world. Like yeah. I remember when I was studying medical stuff and, you know, studying to be an RN, I was walking through an airport once and I saw a comic book. I saw Captain America and Spider-Man. I'm like, I'm buying that. I haven't read, uh, anything fun in a long time. And so I would say, you know, read stuff that, that keeps you reading but can also be fun. But also fiction. Fiction is filled with man's, you know, what men are thinking about, what women are thinking about. Um, you hear how people think when you read fiction. Um, fiction is always somewhat autobiographical. People are always pouring out their fears, their concerns, their dreams, whatever it is, into a work of fiction. And particularly if stuff is best-selling. It's connecting with people. And so if you want to be a good missionary and you want to reach your culture, you need to know where they're, how they're thinking. It's all good to like be an egghead and study Plato and Aristotle and all that stuff. But that was how people thought a couple thousand years ago. You know, today, 
you, you don't pick up some university lecture, some guy in an ivory tower who tell you how people are thinking. You go to the bestseller rack at Barnes and Noble and you pick that crap up. What's the um, What's the name of the uh, the guy? I can't remember it, but it, he, he's a detective, and they always make movies about him um, from the characters from the the books. Um, not Jack Ryan. Modern day or yeah, not, well they not do not like modern Sam day. Spade or um, James James. What's his name? James Patterson. Pat, what's his name? Is that ringing any bells to you? No. I don't know. I don't read crime novels. That's that's not my thing. All I, I remember is I, one day at church, Ruben was talking to me about one of them, and I, I literally the thought that went through my head was, <laughs> he doesn't realize how much this will help him preach. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. You you need to keep into what called, like, you know, obviously you don't want to be picking up 50 shades of gray. and, and, and <laughs> Well, I don't know. <laughs> but, you know, you, you, what you want to do is, you know, you do want to read reviews about it. Because you want to know what is it that people are reading. What is it? And don't read it on the slide. Like Dr. Wife and Sam, start reading reviews about that. Don't be weird. Um, but, you know, you want to know, like, what is it people, you know, why are people wanting to read this? Is it because they're a bunch of pervs? Or is it because they're looking for excitement in their life somewhere? Um, by the way, when people commit adultery, the, that's often what it is. It's the thrill. It's the excitement. People feel like their days are boring. So read that stuff. One, one of the great tools um, that, that also you, you need to develop is the ability to mine illustrations out of life, out of everything you come across, out of movies. Um, watch movies for illustrations. You know, um, When you're watching them, just have part of your preacher brain switched on. Um, when you're reading books, do the same. There's actually, a, a, I collect books that have literary uh, illustrations. They're hard to find. They're usually out of print. They're from the 50s or before, back when uh, people supposedly read more. And they're dynamite. I mean, they're absolutely dynamite. You should uh, uh, give me some of those because if they're that old, then they're probably in the public domain and we could republish them. Heck yeah, baby. Woo. You know what? Actually, seriously, they're some of the best tools where it'll take things like, um, I, I remember going through a phase where I read. I used to um, read those because my dad had them, you know, because he was a pastor. Dude, totally uh, like, they're great stories. Like, yeah, seriously, like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, right? Um, that that book was Romans 7. If you read um, the guy, Robert Louis Stevenson, guy who wrote Treasure Island about the pirates, um, he wrote that book because he was raised a staunch Presbyterian. And so he was kind of like a little. You know, kind of like Pete, like you growing up, you know, repressed Baptists and stuff like that. And it, it trailed him, you know, through all these guilt feelings. And, of course, he's, you know, Victorianism, you know, they, they, they had this veneer of decency, but prostitution was rife. And it was about Romans 7. And he actually discusses Romans 7. What, what Dr. Jekyll's doing is he says, look, I have, you know, the sin that, that I don't want to do, I keep doing. And what I don't, what I do want to do, I don't do. And so Dr. Jekyll learns to indulge the sin nature by separating um, the moral part of him from the immoral part of him. And it literally, he says, Romans 7, I've dealt with the problem of Romans 7. It actually says it in the book. You want to talk about a story everybody knows and put a new spin on it and actually tell them what the story's about. Um, and then you, 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 you deal with it. What if you could give full reign to your passions? Boom, boom, boom. And of course, the moral of the story is that it can't be done, right? Eventually, Mr. Hyde will take over. And, you know, so boom, boom, boom. So mm. uh, he finds he can't control him. Boom, boom. I mean, all those books, Frankenstein, you know, all the classics, Robinson Crusoe, they are just diamond mines for preachers. They're just gold mines. And, uh, you know, you got to learn at some point to mine your own gold. You know, and I don't care if you get it from movies. I, I think films nowadays are a better place to go. And listen, the, the other thing is listen to preaching. Like we've been talking about books and we're talking a little bit about film. Um, you need to listen to other preachers, right? Um, that's extremely important. You, you learn, you know, not just technically what to do and what not to do. For example, um, let's say like you're preaching and you just tell an illustration. If you watch guys like uh, Chuck Swindoll, that guy will start off an illustration and he'll say, you know, a man back in 1950 something, you know, and he'll tell like part of the story. And then he'll say, you know, then he'll springboard off of it. He won't finish the story. 
Then he'll come back, you know, maybe 10 minutes later, and he'll say, back to our friend in Brooklyn or whatever it is, you know, um, boom, boom, boom. And by the end of the story, it's some famous celebrity or figure, you know, um, he might say, you know, there was a, a, a baby, you know, a mother who had a baby, blah, blah, blah. He was going to be born deaf, boom, boom, boom. And the punchline later on when he comes back to it is, you know, if she had aborted it, it's, uh, it's, you just killed Beethoven. So that kind of stuff. So watch those guys, but more importantly, get preached to. You know, you're not getting preached to. Um, there are people that you can listen to them and they will give you tons of knowledge. Mark Driscoll's that guy. You listen to him and it's like reading, you know, 20 commentaries. But then there's guys like um, Francis Chan, where when you listen to him, you feel the spirit of God just hit you right between the eyes with a bullet and you want to repent and you want to get right. And then there's other guys like Keller where you listen to him and you're like, oh man, I need to be smarter because that dude's super smart. He can preach to the intellectual. So there's all different types of preacher. Listen to them and get fed spiritually by all of them if you can. Alistair Begg, I mean, Chuck Swindoll. These are guys that, yeah, they're old. They're not as uh, John Piper, but they're Olstein. passionate. <laughs> oh no i'm oh, sorry Never mind. <laughs> these guys are absolutely i like how you yeah. just ignored that you just kept going right by it That's yeah perfect. you know what it's like if you don't have something nice to say don't say it at all I well, mean, we were I'm, just talking about reading fiction come on oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah the the reality is is man i i can make this point without you know yeah i mean what, what about what about um you you can listen to people to learn what not to do right <laughs> and 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 i would i would definitely throw him up you learn good stuff from him as well um what to do like if uh, for example case in point not bagging on the guy but he's not my cup of tea right um but here's the deal i i can sometimes listen to him and think you know there's people could use hearing some of that because like if you're if you're in like a, a book of scripture where you're just expositing everything, you can sometimes miss the wood for the trees. You can get bogged down, and you, it could be like you're at the bottom of the mine shaft, going deeper, 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 and suddenly there's no sunlight anymore. And so if I do hear him, I do. I listen to him. Like if I'm listening to Oprah, right? I can't say I watch Oprah, but if I listen to Oprah, I'm always analyzing. As a communicator, as a preacher, I'm always analyzing. I'm always looking at what is it Oprah is saying that people are connecting with. But uh, that's my analytical. What I'm more trying to get the church planner to realize, there's a point where you're listening to preaching where you've got to switch the analyzer off, right? You've got to uncross your arms and you've got to open them wide and listen to preachers that you trust, that you know walk with God and just receive. Because those are the guys, when you're in your car, that is your time of feeding, man. Um, if you're sitting there with the wife, sometimes turn off TV and say, hey, wife, guess what? I know we watch TV, but you know what? Listen to this by Francis Chan. Can we feed our souls tonight? Because your wife needs that. You know, she's up there, you know, you're up there preaching. She's watching you, listening to you. And she's as nervous as you are when you're up there preaching. Because, you know. She knows that you're a liar. She knows you're a liar and she knows you're a hypocrite and she knows, no, I'm teasing, but you know, she's worried for you just like you would. If, if you're listening, it's hard for your wife to receive from you in the same way because you're partners and she's pulling for you while you're up there. Um, she can't fully relax. So you need at times to just disconnect, unplug and receive. What are some other ways other than reading to, um, yeah. Feed your soul, as you say. Yeah. Um, writing. Writing is one. And I don't care. Like, please don't think I'm saying like you all, all got to become writers or bloggers or whatever. But journaling, um, for some people, that is like for me, I work stuff out when I write. So does my wife. My wife has a quiet times with a journal. Um, if you've never tried that and you're really struggling with quiet time, that's a great way to uh to feed your soul sometimes just to write it focuses you some people their their biggest deal is focus you know they're talking to the lord and suddenly they're like oh wait don't forget to pick up peas you know butterfly like, exactly hey look at that squirrel but, <laughs> hey well, now what's the difference between a squirrel and a chipmunk 
huh, I should look that up. Oh, I'll just check it out on Google real quick. Oh, Lord, I'm sorry, you know, 10 minutes later, because now you're on YouTube, you know, and then you're suddenly over to the Honey Badger, and then you're now you're watching cartoons and listening to songs, techno dance moves to Honey Badger, and boom, you're gone, right? So sometimes writing will focus you. It'll keep you tethered. Um, so I would say watching films, believe it or not, I, 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 my view of movies now is that almost everything, because it's the human condition, um, deep within are themes of redemption. And we've talked about this before, but I, I feel on almost every movie I watch, God's in there, like somehow, because it's the cry of human hearts. Even the stuff that's kind of like despairing. It's the absence of God. It's it's the soul's utter despair without God. It doesn't matter to me. Like, um, what was that movie, Limitless, where the guy takes the drug and it makes him super smart and he can do all these cool things? I I watch those movies and I'm I'm just thinking about scriptural things all the time. But it's because I do read the Word and I have a biblical frame of view. I'm analyzing all this stuff. But that stuff feeds me in a weird way. I always feel validated in what I believe when I'm watching stuff like that. So uh, worship, music, um, uh, to me, some of the most awesome way to feed my soul is to pop in a U2 CD. I think those, I think that dude's like King David, man, with an electric guitar, you know? You're not a U2 fan? I got the power! <laughs> <laughs> So music, I mean, you know, journaling, um, movies, uh, podcasts, preaching. See, I would say podcasts way before journaling. Like, honestly, as I hear you say a lot of these things, I'm thinking, okay, this is good for someone with your personality and your bent. But, like, for me, that would not feed my soul. Reading, you know, those books would not feed my soul. and it doesn't uh, matter that I'm not a pastor either. Uh, um, yeah. Writing would not feed my soul, but listening to a podcast um, absolutely yeah. would. You definitely got to know the medium. I mean, some people were visual learners. Some people are auditory learners. We, we all have different styles. I doubt, though, there are certain books I would give you, Pete, that I, I, would, I would bet money that they would feed your soul if I gave well, you Well, I'm not saying that they couldn't. Uh, don't don't misunderstand me. It's not that they can't. Yeah. Um, it's just not your chosen. Well, yeah, know. it's just because if at the same time I'm being exhausted yeah. while I'm feeding my soul, then it's and on on one level it's productive, but on another level it's counterproductive because yeah. um, I don't wake up even though I do all this copywriting. I hate to write. I hate typing emails. I mean, yeah. right now I'm interviewing for a VA. Um, and I've got like 15 people who have applied uh, from the Philippines. And we usually do it via Skype. And I make it very clear to them, you have to have a camera and a microphone. I'm not interviewing you via typing because they've done that before. They're, oh, you know, how about I don't have a camera? Can we just type? No. Like, yeah. I'm not going to sit here and like bang out. All- no, forget it. I, that that exhausts me. Yeah. So, yeah. you know. No, but you're right. And and I think, you know, we one of the things we haven't mentioned is we live in the age of YouTube and Vimeo. I mean, or Vimeo, however you say it. <laughs> I thought it was a new site. I'm like, wow, it's French. Oh, yeah. right. well, that's what happens when you live in Europe all that time, right? You listen to the Europeans saying it. But it, it, I just hear Americans saying Vimeo. And I'm like, oh, I thought that was Vimeo. You know, it's kind of like, uh, you know, Augustine or Augustine. Sounds so much more educated when I say it. But uh you know, here's the deal is that, you know, we have now like YouTube, we have these movies people are putting together that are incredible. And uh, it's a powerful medium. I heard John Piper preaching um, on missions and somebody in, in the persecuted church and somebody had like put sound effects on his voice, had used music in the background. Dude, it was so stinking powerful. And uh, I know some people are like, oh, I don't like that. I don't like the manipulation of that. Um, You're being manipulated anytime you watch media. I mean, there's always music in the background. There's always, you know, TV is doing this all the time. Why not occasionally have that to to a great message, you know? Um, Because it does. It just, it stirs the emotions a bit. And quite frankly, some people could, you know, 
use being moved occasionally. Um, Are you saying some people could use a movement? <laughs> Indeed. There is a link between people being uptight and constipation. And often when I see people being religiously uptight, I think, now they could really benefit from a good bowel movement. I would probably unstick them a bit. Is this one of those conversations that pastors probably shouldn't be having on a podcast? Absolutely not. This is revelatory. <laughs> I'm just thinking of our friend saying, you know, Peyton, I think there's uh, some things you shouldn't be talking about. Hey, I'm just saying, and if they say that, I would say you need to go have a good bowel movement because you're <laughs> a little bit too uptight about the podcast. I love it. All that's all I need, really, in my opinion. You just need to listen to uh, Church Punter Podcast. And read the magazine. Set it on auto-repeat. Absolutely, because our magazine has videos. So, I mean, come on. Yeah, but I, I think you're right. You know, I do think people need to push themselves. But, you know, I mean, you can you can get books on tape, too. Or, <laughs> that's my age now, Darden. <laughs> you can get audio books. Books on tape. You can get audio books. Hey, yeah. I love reading, uh, listening, I should say, to Yawning at Tigers on uh, Audible. Which you can Is get good? at uh, audibletrial.com forward slash CPM. Awesome. You can get it for free. I, I need to check. Can you really get that for free? I told you, remember? Because they call him uh, Drew Dyke instead of Drew Dick. Yeah. Yeah. Which. <laughs> Next topic. <laughs> <laughs> Which we still can't say with a straight face. I love it. But anyway, I was just going to say that, um, yeah, I mean, that's that's my personal chosen way to listen to religious books, which are not books I would normally read. Because you're Absolutely. right, I do read, but I don't read, like, church planner books, um, and, unless I, you know, I don't know, I'm desperate or whatever for a good Well, you, you and I talked about this. Some of these books, these old books that are in the public domain that are just spiritual classics— um, you and I went through a phase where we're looking them up going, hey, you know what? Somebody needs to record these <clears throat> and, um, you know, get them out there for church plans. You got to use so your golden pipes. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, get them out there for guys in the car. You know, so when they're they they're not going to sit and read Charles Spurgeon lectures, my students, but maybe, you know, if someone read it for them and popped it, you well, know. Well, see, that's the thing is um, whenever I got to drive out to Vegas – uh, that's a great time for me to listen to a couple of books because, you know, it's about one book a trip, you know, each leg of the trip, I should say, from here yeah. to there and there back. So, I mean, I can get and by books. the way, Pete is going out there for MMA magazine. He's not going out there to just gamble and drink. Well, right, that and Pete? I go to the Bunny Ranch. I mean, come on. <laughs> no, you did not. Well, they're lost. They need salvation, too. Oh, Pete. No. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh, you thought oh. I meant that bunny ranch. Oh, no, well, there's another one. I don't know what you're talking one. about. It's another one. They actually only have rabbit stew. That's that's what I'm talking about, rabbit that's stew. That's awesome. Pete, Pete Mitchell. It's been Pete Mitchell on the Church Planner Podcast, and we're ending now. <laughs> <laughs> no, but anyways, you know, if you, uh, if you, you know, if, again, just to, to sum up, I do think that to a certain degree, like Pete said, there are different ways to feed your soul, and I think that's that's important to emphasize. Um, you know, thank thank God there are things like Audible.com because you can, if you're not going to read, and you just know realistically, I'm not going to. But you still have to push yourself, and I guess that's kind of the not necessarily to pick up a, a physical book, although I do think the brain processes the information differently, um, but. Feed your soul. That's the key. That's all that really matters. Feed your soul by any means necessary. And if your way of doing that is through listening or watching something, then do it that way, man. That's the way to do it. Mm. I mean, we got to remember in the time of the early church, people didn't read. You know what I mean? Like, you know, the fact that everybody. Well, they didn't even have. Yeah. I mean, getting an actual copy of the Bible, you know, the, the, the Torah. Is it the Torah? Is that what they call it? Come on. Yeah, yeah. On, the uh, the Old Testament. Yeah. yeah. I mean, come or, on. They didn't even have that. I mean, it was like very few had that, you know? It was in the synagogue. Well, it was and in the synagogue, even, but it wasn't like you took it home at night. You know, you didn't... You even didn't, in the early church, man, if, if you were in the early church, you didn't have the Torah and you didn't have... You had um, fragments 
of the New Testament, maybe that were circulated and copied. You had um, the synagogue, which would have a copy of, of the Torah. And you, uh, even if you did have it, you couldn't read it. Very few people could read Oh, yeah. And you know what I find interesting? I, I've been reading a lot of uh, Paul lately and just uh, been noting how much, you know, he, he openly admits that he's not a great speaker. He's not yeah. great in person, but he's great on paper and much stronger on paper. And, yeah. And isn't it interesting that that's who God chose is, yeah. is someone who would be great on paper as you know as one of our early church fathers because yeah. it, it's like if he had been a great speaker and we wouldn't have had all of his letters i mean what would the church look like today yeah i mean most definitely you know what i'm saying like i don't even know if i'm getting my point across here but it, it to me it's just like it's amazing that that's who god chose i mean he he constantly refers that i'm not a great speaker i'm not great in person you know i'm meek i'm humble i'm you know and I, I don't mean to come across too bold in my letters, but I mean, that's where he was good. And because yeah. that's where he was good, we have that today. Mm, that's a good point, man. It's a really good point. Yeah, if he'd been a great speaker, he probably wouldn't have written as much. And, you know, um, he, he probably was more of an, well, not an introvert, but just, I mean, you know how like I the introvert was, speaker, you know what I'm saying? I think he was. Think? I think Paul was an introvert. I think he was an egghead. He was an introvert. Definitely was, was an egghead. No doubt about that. But I mean, like he, he had no problem. Like he wasn't a shy introvert. It wasn't like, you know, cause I'm an introvert. Right. But I'm not, so I'm I. not a shy introvert. I'll talk to anybody. It's just, yeah. I don't, it, it doesn't excite me. Right. You know, because yeah. um, he would witness to anybody and everybody. And I mean, he would speak publicly. So it wasn't yeah. like he was against it. It's just that he knew that wasn't where his skill set was because he even refers to, you know, the one who's famous for his preaching. Yeah, um, absolutely. Know, preaching of the gospel. I, wanna, I want to, before we get off here, I want to mention a few writers that I think everybody needs to um, dip into from time to time. Obviously, you hear me talk about Lloyd-Jones and Spurgeon. Lloyd-Jones, if you can read anything that guy uh, has written, you will become an incredible expositor. If you read anything by Spurgeon, you will learn how to talk to a congregation. Matthew Henry will um, give you a sense of the connectedness of Scripture. Um, you should read Philip Yancey, uh, not Phil, but Philip Yancey, <laughs> to develop a healthy educated and comprehensive Christian worldview because he doesn't dodge any of the problems that uh, a fallen world has to throw at us, but uh, he does process them through scripture. Uh, the guy's a journalist uh, by nature and he writes incredibly. Um, some of the other people that I would recommend is C.S. Lewis. I've mentioned this before. C.S. Lewis uh, wrote about things that... Um, are beginning to make sense to America today, simply because Britain back in the 50s, the 40s, 50s, is where America is now in its postmodernism. That's how far they were. After the First and Second World War, they were done with Christianity. They were just, you know, they, they had kind of become cynical and turned away from God. And that process, C.S. Lewis was where we were at now, and he was addressing it. That's why people right now are connecting with him. He didn't make a lot of sense to America. He, he's kind of a bit foreign and remote. He's now making a lot of sense. Read him. In particular, uh, you might want to read um, the Space Trilogy, which was way stinking ahead of its time. He's writing about things like quantum physics and how they might uh, tie into uh, our understanding of God and how spiritual beings um might operate. For example, quantum physics uh, defies our physics, but told us that there were, um, you know, time travel was possible. All the rules suddenly, what seemed to be science fiction was actually provable. Uh, and, and, and that C.S. Lewis kind of brings all that stuff in there. It's, he's one of the most educated uh, thinkers we've, we've ever had. Um, but the way he pulls it all together, so you definitely want to check him out. Um, also, I would highly recommend anything by Ian Murray. 
the guy's a biographer primarily. He runs Banner of Truth. Um, he was an assistant to Martin Lloyd-Jones. Uh, but his stuff, it, particularly read his book on Wesley and the men who followed. You want to talk about something that fire you up as a church planner? Read that. Hmm. Um, read A.W. Pink. Um, again, a guy who's devotional. Um, let's see, who else? That's probably about all that I'm going to throw at you today. But um, those are really good guys. A book that I'm reading right now that I'm I'm enjoying a lot is, um, it's just funny, and I have to mention it, is uh, Coffee with Jesus by uh, David Wilkie. He writes uh, a blog called Radio Free Babylon. But that book will make you laugh. It's a bunch of comic strips with um, Jesus from the, you know, pictures from the 1950s of him drinking coffee with people and having little four panel discussions. And uh, lastly, a book that came in the mail that I want to give a shout out to because it's absolutely brilliant. It is a gold mine for church planners. And uh, you'll be seeing a lot of this in my next book um, is a book called Expect Great Things by Marvin J. Newell. It is published by the William Carey Library, and it is mission quotes that inform and inspire. The title is Expect Great Things. And I've been reading through this book, combing it for quotes and illustrations, and talk about feeding your soul and firing you up. Um, It's from missionaries and mission thinkers. And the thing is fat. It's an attractive book. It's got 345 pages. And this has to be this dude's life work because he has scoured people's writings and found the missional jewels in each of them. And uh, it's called Expect Great Things. We're checking out. Hmm. That's all I have to say about that. Lest Pete is just about asleep now. And uh, <laughs> But for some of you guys, you'll find this highly, highly interesting, Pete. They will. Um, yeah, it's too bad they don't listen to our show, though. You know, because the thinkers uh, pretty much don't listen to our show. We've got all the doers. So yeah, so. well, give them give them some sound effects. We need to have more sound effects. Give them give them another sound effect. Oh, you know what? Uh, I got a call coming in on the other line. I think we got to wrap this one up. <laughs> well, hey, this has been uh, Peyton Jones and Pete Mitchell. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna keep hitting the. Uh, oh wait, wait. Here we go. Here we go. Now you're wishing you had found that one sooner. I know. It really was. Reminding you that if you want to reach the ones nobody's reaching, you need to go where nobody's going. Read what nobody's reading. Watch what nobody's <laughs> watching. Listen to what nobody's listening to. And do what nobody's doing. That's what she said. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Music